Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Third Tier Podcast. Uh, you are going to have to put up with me hosting tonight, I'm afraid, because Tom is enjoying a well-earned holiday. And I'm very pleased to announce that I'm joined once again by a new regular co-host, Graham, from What The Felt Podcast. Graham, are you well? Brilliant. Yeah, top of the world. Banging. Can't complain. Uh, three points. Yep. Thank you very much. I'll take that. Good weekend, mate. Very nice, that's it, short and sweet, I like that, lovely. And also, pleased to say, making his second appearance on the podcast is well-renowned EFL expert and general nice guy, Gabe Sutton. How are you doing, mate? I'm very well, thanks, Matt. Thanks for that big intro. You've, uh, you've built me up, so I guess I've got to live up to that now. Good, good, good. It's good we're doing all well. Well, it's great to be back, isn't it, I think, first and foremost, and that's um, talking about League One football. But more importantly, League One football with supporters in grounds up and down the country. Supporters were flooding in their droves to watch their team play. I know Sunderland's, um, Graham Sunderland had the highest attendance in the division at the weekend, around 31,000. Jules was around 5,000, but it felt like 5,500. <laughs> Gabe, I believe, went to watch Wickham versus Accrington. So we should have um, at least three games covered in depth. Um, and then we'll have a look at the division as a whole. So I'm going to come to you first, Graham. Um, positive start, especially considering that you conceded the first goal. Charlie White was kept quiet. So I want to get your thoughts on the Sunderland victory over Wigan Athletic. Charlie White. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, very good. Um, very happy. I mean, in truth, like I was absolutely buzzing after the game. If you'd spoken to me at like five past five, half past five, I would have been absolutely flying and probably telling you that we're going to win the league. But I've learned my mistake on this show from saying that about Sunderland because um, when I tend to say it, we tend to go on a bad run of form. But it's early days, really early days when you really think about it. It's the, it's the first game. Um, I think a lot of people have spoke Wigan up an awful lot because of the signings that they've made. And that, that makes sense. They, they have made decent signings. I think a lot of people have, have looked at Sunderland's maybe lack of business and the players that we've lost, some of them to Wigan and, and thought that we might not challenge. I hope, I hope, based on Saturday's performance and the fact that we still played without any full-backs, Carl Winchester at right-back, Dan Neal in attacking number 10 central midfielder, if you prefer, left-back. Um, they both played against two new signings and Jordan Jones came on obviously later on and, and Edwards who scored. And we came through the game and were, were well-deserved winners. And it, it should have probably been slightly more for Lyndon Gucci's brilliant shot didn't like cannon off the bar. So if we can keep that level of performance up and add a couple of fullbacks, then um, the signs are positive. But it's for Sunderland, it's about consistency. Um, we've seen many times that Sunderland can be the best side in this division over the years that they've been here, but not on a consistent basis. So I'd be intrigued to see how often it could be, because if you look at Saturday's game, you would say, well, who needs fullbacks to win the league? <laughs> you know, because we didn't play with any, but I think that would catch up with us. And there's, there's still maybe one or two players I would quite like. But the big difference is for me, Callum Doyle. I don't know if people have seen the highlights of him from uh, Saturday, 17-year-old kid from Manchester City. That like, There's no way we'll hang on to him. He'll play for Manchester City in three or four years' time. He's just 6'3", built like a, a brick. House. Man, uh, a brick house, <laughs> yes. Um, brilliant, really, really good. Um, Elliot Embleton looks like he's came on an absolute load at being a black bull, which is maybe not a surprise. I was never his biggest fan, and I thought he was um, 
positive. He looked like something that was different. And I, I think the overall take from the game for me, and I don't mean to offend any Wigan fans here, and like I say, the season is long and things can change, but you've sort of seen why we why we weren't going to get promoted with the likes of Charlie White and Max Power and Jordan Jones in the team, and why we might get promoted with the likes of Elliot Embleton inside of the team. Very good summing up there, I think. Gabe, I'll come to you then quickly. Obviously, Graham's doing it from a Sunderland fan perspective. What are your thoughts on Lee Johnson's outfit at this very embryonic stage of the season? Yeah, I think it was a, it's a, it's a good start for Sunderland, considering their squad is a long way from being complete. And I think part of me quite liked the fact, strangely enough, that, that they've taken time over their transfer business, because it to me it shows that even though they've got the money now to, to make uh, big statement signings, they're still being sort of sensible about it and they're, they're weighing things up and they're taking their time and, and only going in for the right deals. At the moment, they've got Carl Winchester at right back. I think he's played there um, maybe previously in his career. He's certainly been a very versatile operator from the time at, at Oldham a few years back. That was under Lee Johnson as well. And then they've got the left back, which is Daniel Neal, who's come through the academy. And again, very good to see lots of... Um, uh, talented young players coming through the academy at uh, Sunderland as well, so I think that's that's definitely a, a positive. And I, I like to see that uh, that process at Sunderland, where you either sign players that are the right deals, good players for the value that Sunderland are looking for, or you put your, your trust in in youth in some positions. And it's been a while for me since Sunderland had that. that. Yeah, and like you say, I think the biggest thing is that they are like most teams in this division at the moment, is probably 95% of the clubs in League One are still some way from being at full capacity in terms of the players that they want to get in. Um, just a quick couple of hellos. Uh, evening, Les from East Yorkshire. He's a Jills fan. Jonathan Harry's friend of the show. Good evening, mates. And I think uh, Appa's comment is directed at you, Graham. He's hoping you keep Elliot Embleton fit for a deadline day swoop. I think we'll leave that there. I was going to say, I think he wants to play for a big club this season, so hopefully he'll stay. <laughs> and last, oh no, we've got a couple more now. Ian Bradley, uh, friend of the show as well, a Rotherham fan. Watch you guys, how you doing, Ian? Good to see you. And Simply Wickham, evening, mate. Evening, gents. Wickham taking Sam Lavelle from Morecambe. Just one thing on yours and the left-back situation, I think, at Sunderland. Isn't it rumoured that the young Tottenham left-back, is it Dennis Churchin? has apparently had his contract ripped up and he's going to come and join on a permanent basis, I think. So that could right. be interesting one to keep an eye on. It's an interesting one, I think, because um, I'm not going to... I like to say I know a fair amount about football, but I, I genuinely never seen him play. Um, as you do on Twitter, you, you tend to look at like how the reaction of the, the selling club is and nine times out of ten, the fans' reaction to that tends to bear fruit. Um, and they're all absolutely devastated. There was like there was one guy who I think is over exaggerating said, you know, a season ago he would have wanted nothing less than seven, eight million based on his talent alone. And I'm thinking, geez, where's this kid come from? But I think if what I read's correct, he's had a few, um, should we say, personal issues, which is maybe not maybe halted his progress a little bit. I think he wants to maybe probably get a fresh move away, as some players do and, and some people do in life, don't they? And get a fresh start and, and get first in football, most importantly. And Hey, we, we don't have a left back at the minute. Um, Daniel's playing there, but Daniel's more like a number 10, in my opinion. So it, the, the reports from Spurs fans are like very, very high. And the last left back we had from Spurs was Danny Rose. Blotted his copy book uh, a little bit by going to Newcastle, but I let him off. Um, but he wasn't he wasn't bad. He did 
the job, as you say, he was actually class. So if he's anywhere near as good as Danny Rose at a League One level, uh, thank you very much. I'll have him, yeah. Yeah, certainly one to keep an eye on, isn't it? A little bit of the unknown, but a little bit of excitement because of the background. But just to sort of nullify the enthusiasm, uh, Jill signed a centre-back who was a Tottenham kid last season. He played about four games. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Was he good? Oh, uh, not really, no. He played four games. There's your clue. Um, right. Let's do it in alphabetical. Sorry to everyone, we haven't got graphics tonight. Obviously, Tom's usually in charge of them and I have to run my own channel and, and Graham has to run his own podcast, so we've not had time to do them. So you're just going to have to look at our mugshots for an hour, I'm afraid. <laughs> but we'll start running down through the results from Saturday at the opening weekend in alphabetical order. I know Gabe's going to take the Wickham game in more detail. Obviously, I'll take the Jules one. Um, but let's start off with Crew versus Cheltenham. That finished one all on the opening day. Mika <clears> Mandron, ex-Jules and ex-Sunderland striker, scored the goal. Very good goal as well. Uh, but that's probably a better result for Cheltenham based on the fact that they've just come up. Uh, would you say so, Gabe? I think it's a better result. I also think that it's probably a better performance from what a lot of Cheltenham fans have been saying. They feel they created enough chances to win that game, which I think is quite good news for the Robins because um, I was sort of on the EFL fan show where on Wednesday night talking to Ant Evans and... Um, and uh, the Robin's Report podcast. Um, and I think one one thing that kind of stood out was that, uh, certainly from a Cheltenham perspective, with Tom Wade from the Robin's Report, um, there's a few areas where Cheltenham fans feel that they're a little bit short. There's maybe some question marks over whether Ellis Chapman's going to step up to, to League One level, given that he didn't feature loads part of the new injury, maybe in League Two. And then... I think Andy Williams has been quite an, an opinion dividing centre forward. There's a few people that are maybe not sure he can make the step up at about 34, 35. Other people who are maybe defending him, which might be a bit, yeah, because it might be a bit harsh, some of the criticism of him, given that I think his goals for minutes ratio last season was, was pretty good. So, um, Cheltenham needs to do a lot of business. All the players that started, uh, outfield players certainly, were at the club last season, and even the goalkeeper, Owen Evans, was there in their playoff season in 1920. So I still think that Cheltenham will be in need of, of some new players. They've obviously added uh, Taylor Perry um, from, from Wolves, so that certainly adds their options in midfield. And they've all obviously got Callum Wright back from Leicester, which is great news. But I still think they need a striker, which probably feeds into the news that they've um, they've been after Kyle Vassell, uh, now signed Kyle Vassell as well. Um, who I think will offer a variety of uh, of qualities. Really, he's you know reasonably mobile, reasonably strong, and uh, has a little bit of championship experience from his time at Rotherham. So I think it was a good signing for Cheltenham, considering that there's still a little bit of work for them to do in the transfer window. Yeah, and just one quick thing as well. It seems that we know our crew play. I know we spoke about this last week, didn't we, Graham? On the, yeah. the one to twenty fours, and I like to get it. Centre-halves and full-backs like to go and get it off their keeper and, and they like to play it out from the back and play it around their back and sometimes it leads to a little bit of trouble and it seems that, unfortunately, I know it's only one game, but for what Omar Beckles was doing last season, specifically against the Jills at the Priestfield, Donovan Daniels decided to do it at the weekend and Andy Williams had a very simple equaliser, didn't he? So if he's, you know, one that's got to try and win over the fans, that'll certainly help because uh, Donovan Daniels laid it on a plate for him, didn't he? But yeah, a, a solid point, I think, for both sides and 
you know, it's a starting block, isn't it? Like in any sort of competition, if you can get away with the first game without losing, it gives you something to work with. Um, this isn't in alphabetical order at all. I don't know why I said that. It's in the order that I watched it on the Quest highlights. So we'll move on to the next game that I've written down. And that was Cambridge United against Oxford. Um, I think me and Graham and Tom all had Cambridge to get relegated in our 1-24s. to Gabe, where did you have them positioned? I, I had them relegated as well. So that was a full house, but that's definitely a better point for Cambridge than Oxford looking at the, you know, the comparative squads and it's it's a good early start for for them. It's not a disaster for Oxford. They're on the road and they've picked up a point on the opening day, like we keep saying, everyone's still trying to find their best 11s and, and, and put people into positions that they know they're going to thrive. Um, but we spoke about Steve Seddon, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago, Gabe, and said that we both thought he was an upgrade on um, Josh Ruffles and he had a very good game at the weekend. So... Um, it's just a case now, I think, with Oxford, whether they can replace Rob Atkinson. I know they've brought in Jordan Feneely from Blackpool on loan. But in terms of the game itself, um, similar to probably Crew and Cheltenham, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's a decent point for both sides. Graham or Gabe, either of you, go. I mean, looking at the obviously the stats and stuff like that and what, you, what you've seen on Quest, it's, it's different. I mean, I'm sure Cambridge fans and Oxford fans who watch the full 90-plus will, will, will say different, but... In terms of shots that they both had, I think they were quite similar. I'm sure it was like 10 each or something like that between Cambridge and, and Oxford, but there was like three on target for Oxford, one on target for Cambridge. I'm guessing that includes the, the penalty that they scored at the end. Um, but if you look at how slowly Oxford started last season, I think they lost the first four or something, or, or won one in the first five and lost the other four. Um, one of them, the Sunderland, who ended up being obviously one of their, their rivals, and I think they lost another one. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Lincoln opening day of the season. I think they lost two. And they came back and did all right. I know they were probably playing catch-up and they kind of sneaked in on the last day, didn't they, with their Portsmouth failing against Accrington. But um, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Carl Robinson as a bloke, but he's very much League One material, isn't he? He knows how to get a side in and around those spots. And they've got a decent a decent set of players they've brought in. They, they produce good younger players that they produce and then sell on. Um, Rob Atkinson being the main one, he only played, what was it, his debut a couple of seasons ago, if that. It might have even been last season, come to think of it. Um, so I think Oxford are going to do well. I think they were probably quite unlucky to get a side like um, Cambridge away on the opening day. Everyone's up for it. Fans haven't been back for 18 months. Cambridge away is a lot harder at the start than it is at the end. Um, unless Cambridge proved me wrong and end up having a fantastic season and, and so on and so forth. But if, if things go the way we expected to go and, and all of, all three of us have predicted, which I think they'll be there or thereabouts, the bottom five, bottom six, when the pressure's on and you're kind of in March, April and they're kind of struggling to stay up and you're Oxford and you're seventh, sixth, fifth, wherever it may be, might be a bit of a different game. Um, probably not an unexpected result, a good result for a side that's just come up versus a promoted team that probably would have preferred to play that game a couple of months down the line, I think. Yeah, that's fair enough. Pretty much sums it up. Ian Bradley's just commented back to the Cheltenham signing of Carl Vassell. We know it has been confirmed. Thank you, Ian. And yeah, says if Michael Duff can keep him permitted and interested in his very good player tends to score well. He's, yeah, I think that's probably the general consensus. Gabe's nodding his head and that's always a good sign. He's, he's very good when he's on it. Is he on it enough? Potentially not in the last couple of seasons, but he, he could potentially be a good foil for Alfie May. Completely different type of centre forward and... Uh, yeah, certainly one to keep an eye on. But Gabe, I'm going to come to you now. Next game was probably game of the day. Uh, mm. Bolton Wanderers 3, MK Dons 3. Um, I think it was mentioned on the Quest highlights that you these teams are probably going to be two of the most fun to watch. Probably won't yeah. keep too many clean sheets if they continue to play the way they did yesterday. But there was two really good goals that stood out, weren't there? Two set pieces. I think one was from... Uh, 
Well, there's one from Sheehan. Josh Sheehan. Yeah, and, and another. Line as well, really good mm. free kicks. But um, what did you make of, obviously, the newly promoted Bolton and also the now Russell Martin-less MK Dons? Well, it's been a very destabilising week for uh, for MK. And um, after losing Russ Martin, I think, you know, a lot of MK fans are very disappointed in the manner in which Russ Martin left. And, you know, listen, we'll be all right will be here all, all night if we discuss the, the rights and wrongs of, of that. But I think the bottom line is there's there's a kind of a sense of division because lots of fans are feeling very angry and other fans are sort of willing to um, maybe wish Russ well, thank you for the progress and, and move on. And I think that, or, or certainly not sort of um, offer that sort of vitriol in the way that some fans have provided. So I think there's a sense of... Of, uh, of division there and I do th- feel that that kind of filtered into the club and when the news broke back to me and, and the way that there are a few chances put towards Russ Martin uh, at the Bournemouth game where he's actually in the dugout for that one and uh, my sort of reaction to that was um, they've got to bring Dean Lewington into the dugout because uh, with Luke Williams and I think one or two other coaches maybe Matt Gill moving on with Russ Martin to, uh, to Swansea who's going to be that coach? It didn't feel like, I think they may have one guy from who's the academy manager, but it felt like MK Dons needed a figure that they can all get behind, someone who can unite the club. And, and that's why I uh, I suggested uh, um, Dean Lewington, who's obviously very much a legendary figure at, at MK because of um, uh, of his involvement with the football club. And um, I think a few people were maybe a little bit sceptical about that at first because Dean Lewington's never actually wanted to play to, um, to, to manage. He's never shown any real interest in that. So I, I don't expect this to be any more than a one or two game situation. And I think that um, MK fans will be hoping that there is an appointment uh, soon. I think Jody Morris is the current favourite. So that situation needs to be resolved. But someone that didn't want to manage, I think Lewington's done, done a, a good job in this opening day. And absolutely two cracking free kicks there Josh Sheehan and Scott Twine two really creative midfielders both capable of, of brilliance and um, and yeah, great way to start the season and with plenty of late drama as well Yeah definitely like I say it's probably we were going to talk about it a bit later but I think it's probably game of the day for, for everybody isn't it in League mm. 1 you've got absolutely everything there a couple of good set pieces goals galore mistakes late strikes points being rescued yeah. The, the sort of comeback story from Boating as well, isn't it? Who was shown the door pretty much by Martin and he's been brought back into the fold by Lewington and, and scored the third goal for MK Don. So plenty of sort of side stories in that one that, that'll be interesting to see how they develop as the season go on. Um, we're going to come to the next game, Graham. And another question I was going to ask off later in the podcast was who was your performance of the weekend? I'd certainly have it as this team going to Portman Road and that was Morecambe. We, uh, we had the um, directors on, Charlie and James, a few weeks ago, and they're both very bullish that they're, they're certainly not in this division to make up the numbers. And I, that convinced me to not have them in the relegation zone in my one at 24. And I think if they show anything like the spirit and the desire and, and the, the little bit of quality as well that they did at Portman Road, I think they probably will be fine. And uh, I know it's only one game of 46, but encouraging signs for the team making their debut at this division. And... Uh, we're unlucky not to win all three points. What was your your thoughts on the Ipswich draw with Morecambe? Yeah, I was sort of taken aback at first because I think <clears throat> I said they'd, they'd go down bottom. Um, I still think they might, to be yeah. honest. Um, to, to be completely honest, I think they've lost too much. And as a everything I said about Cambridge, I'll repeat the same. But I think it was a, a much tougher game. Like 
you've only got to look at the Ipswich side and who they've signed. And I know they've not been that great in League One, but they've, they've it feels like they've done what Sunderland should have done about two years ago and gone, this division's awful to be in for a club of our side. That's just signed players that make sure we get out of it. And then lo and behold, they're going to go home to Morecambe. Um, but from what I've seen and the highlights and the statistics, it seems like they were fairly in control. I mean, obviously, I think Ipswich had more of the ball, had more touches, certainly had more shots, but not like a mountain more. You'd expect the home side always to have more shots, um, more possession, because especially the home fans being back, as we touched on before with, with Cambridge. And it seems that they weren't putting it put under any massive pressure. Um, the fact that they've got a lad that's went and scored two goals as well in, in Cole Stockton, as, as obviously the, the guys just mentioned just there, you want your number nine to be getting two goals on your the opening day of the season. As a, a team that will be, or potentially could be there or thereabouts near the relegation spots, at least wants to um, stay away from them and, and have a positive season and stay in this division come May, you want your striker to be scoring goals. If he goes four or five games without scoring a goal, you suddenly start going, oh, is he really this level? Is he really that good? And hey, things might not go very well after this, but it's a good start, isn't it? You want your number nine to be scoring goals. You want to put in a good performance, at least, even if you lost, say, 2-1 at Ipswich, you can take lots of positives from that. The truth is their fans were probably quite good that it didn't come to the fact that they won with Macaulay Bond, obviously scoring in the I think, 92nd or 93rd minute or something along that line. Um, so really impressive. I think um, opposite end of the spectrum, my club and, and many clubs who want to get promoted this season, if they went to Ipswich and got a draw and, and it was due to a last-minute equaliser from Ipswich, I think most teams would be pretty happy, so Morecambe's got to be chuffed with that. Yeah, totally agree. I think most people had um, Ipswich to win that fairly comfortably, didn't they, Gabe? I actually had a draw. Oh, you did, yes. I did have a look at your Betfit blog, yes. Fair play. See, Mr. EFL. I, I called it at the start. I said he knows yeah. everything about the EFL. So, fair enough. Yeah, uh, but no, I, I think just to kind of add to that, like, I think you, you, what you're looking at there is two teams that have had quite big turnovers. Um, Ipswich, unsurprisingly so, because they've got new ownership and new, new manager relatively, and they wanted to kind of um, recruit to overhaul after you know a few years of failure really but um Morecambe have actually in the unusual situation of changing a lot of their squad even after winning promotion um and I think that when you've got two new teams that uh, are just coming together generally it's easier for the team that's got to do the simple things which is stay pretty compact and then get the ball forward quickly whereas for Ipswich it was more a case of having to break them down over long spells of possession they ended up having 67% so I think that possibly worked in, in Morecambe's favour in the end. Yeah totally agree and yeah it's a good point for both and I think mm. what it does though is it, it definitely shows it's a good point for Morecambe because most people, not you, had them to, to get beaten and fairly routinely I think but it's, it's probably a good point for Ipswich because I think Certainly pre-Paul Cook, they wouldn't have come back and won that game. And it, it certainly also shows the strength and depth they've got, certainly in, in forward areas, when you can bring on James Norwood and Macaulay Bond to replace other people. Scott Fraser scored a really good goal as well. And, and talking of transfers, we, we've just seen a couple of bits today. They've signed um, both Kyle Edwards and um, Hayden Colson. They've brought them in today. Um, so two more added to the Ipswich uh, roster. I think that's 14 or 15 for the summer now. And they're certainly trying to, to strengthen that back line, aren't they? Because that's probably where they were weakest last season. I remember Jill's beating them 3-1 at Breesfield and they were very, very pedestrian. Um, the likes of Luke Chambers, um, very easy to play around. Um, 
But yeah, so they bought in and obviously George Edmondson earlier in the window as well looks to be a very clever addition. So Ipswich, I can see why they're everybody's tip, including mine, to win the title. But next game was uh, Rotherham United against Plymouth and that finished in a fairly routine 2-0 win for the home side. For me, Plymouth's problems from last season resurfaced again. I had um, James Wilson down as a potential key player for them in a recent blog to try and rectify their defensive issues, but they were all over the show for both goals again, unfortunately. Um, but we shall bring up a couple of comments from Ian Bradley because he is a Rotherham fan. He says he likes the look of Bolton, but they may turn out to be Rochdale of 21-22 and score and concede loads of goals. I, I get the sentiment, but I, I don't think they'll be anywhere near sort of the position that Rochdale found themselves in. But yeah, certainly looking at the first game, they could be entertaining to watch. And he's also praised Cole Stockton that, that Graham's mentioned and said two very good finishes. But but Ian's team, fairly routine for them, wasn't it, Graham? 2-0, good start. Paul Warren knows how to get out of this division. Yeah, I think we spoke about um, Plymouth on the on the podcast and I really rate Brian Lowe, but I just feel like Portsmouth, uh, Portsmouth, well, they might get relegated as well, but I think Plymouth particularly will um, will go down. But there was my moment of the week came in the, the Rotherham game. There's some quite funny songs being sung at uh, Charlie White, obviously on Saturday, which I'm sure some of the fans will have heard and, and other people will have. But um, Freddie Ladapo obviously was getting, I think, a few chants from Plymouth fans saying that he would always be, uh, I don't know if I can swear on this, but I'm going to say SHIT. Um, and as they were chanting at Adam, Rotherham put the corner in and he banged right in front of them, um, <laughs> which is exactly what it should be like on the opening day of the season with fans returning back. So Freddie Ladapo gets my my moment of the week. But um, I think Rotherham just have the ability to be strong, don't they? I think I tipped them to be like eighth or something last season because they're kind of, no offence to Rotherham, but almost unassuming. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, they're not bad, actually. They did it a few years ago before the pandemic. They came down and I thought, well, I'll be there or they're about seventh, eighth, maybe sneak into the playoffs. And they came to the stadium light. We went 1-0 up in the first 30 seconds and they were just a well-oiled engine. Um, and they just did what they needed to do to get back into the game and almost sneaked it. And, and I think they're going to have that ability throughout the season. They've got a manager that knows the club. They've got a manager that knows how to get out of the division, a manager that's liked and a manager that seems to have his trust to his players. So um, a good opening day win for them. Uh, very much so against a side who I think will go down or be there or thereabouts. I don't think they're going to be promotion contenders, let's say. But nonetheless, you, a clean sheet, a win, your striker gets off the mark. That's kind of what you want, isn't it? It's like, um, I think you want your striker to score in the first game. You want to win your first game, be it home or away. You want to be relatively comfortable and, and inject some positivity there as you go into the end of the transfer window and hopefully add to it. And all of a sudden, you, you feel a lot happier, don't you? So I think Rotherham, yeah, they're going to be there or thereabouts. They're a very well-oiled machine. Yep. And Ian's just added to that and said, very pleased with the performance. Looks solid. Argyle, OK in patches. Impressed with Jordan Howe. And he was decent for a while when he was on loan at Gilles, but that was a few mm. years ago now. Then he then he had a decent enough spell at MK Dons in League 2. West well, can Martin I just add to that, yeah, uh, Matt, if you don't mind? Because um, what really interests me, just looking at Ian's comment about Jordan Houghton, and he's a pretty reliable sort of uh, holding midfielder at this level, I would say. But he does have some really big competition this year because uh, I've talked to a few Talker United fans on Twitter and they said Adam Randell, who was on loan there last season, was absolutely brilliant in terms of his technical ability, pressing off the ball, literally anything that you could ask 
in terms of a defensive midfielder. So I'm really excited to see how Adam Randell steps up to the level. If anyone's um, seen that game, feel free to drop in the comments um, and say how he did in his, his substitute appearance. I, someone I'm really excited about. So I do think that if Jordan Hayton does have a drop in form for Argyle, it'll be really interesting competition for Randell. So I think from, from uh, everything Clark Ethan, he's a player with huge potential. That's it, yeah, and obviously we want we want fans of these teams to, to comment and let us know because as much as we try to keep an eye on it as a division as a whole, people that are watching these teams week in, week out can give us more insight and, and more information, and that's the idea. So uh, just a quick hello to Charlie. He says, evening, Matt, Graham and Gabe. Thank you, Charlie. Still watching, even though you're no longer in League One. Uh, <laughs> right, next game was... Um, Accrington Stanley nil, Portsmouth one. So a decent start for Danny Cowley and Nicky Cowley. I noticed Connor Ogilvy played centre midfield in this game, um, which was very interesting to see because I don't think he's played a game there in his entire career. But he can't have been too bad because they kept a clean sheet and won three points to bring all the way back to the south coast. Um, Gabe, I'm going to come to you again. What do you make of Portsmouth at the moment in terms of where they are with their squad? I mean, they've got a lot of good players but they still just look short in key areas if they get a couple of injuries. And I think that's probably emphasised by the fact that, that Mr Ogilvy's had to fill in in the middle of the park at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I know Conor Ogilvy's versatile, but I feel like that's pushing it a little bit, putting him in midfield. But it's, it's, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because... Um, Danny Cowley's got quite a lot of solid left-footed defenders. You look at Black Robertson as a centre-back, Lee Brown as, as a left-back, and then Ogilvy, who could play centre-back or left-back. Um, but what, I suppose what's interesting about Lee Brown is that his goal-scoring form since Danny Cowley's took charge has been uh, surprisingly strong. I think it was quite early on, in, well, certainly at one, there was one game last season, I can't quite remember where it was, but Lee Brown got forward to score a couple of goals. And it wasn't, it's not something that you'd maybe associate ordinarily with, with Lee Brown. Because under Kenny Duckett, he was this solid, dependable left-back that would kind of support Ronan Curtis from behind, but maybe make the odd overlapping run, but not really offer too much confidence in, in possession. But um, I think that under Danny Cowley, he seems to have, that side of his game seems to have uh, gone up a level. So I still think that Portsmouth will be hoping to make some some signings late in the window. But you've got to say, like, that um, Gassan had me uh, and John Marquis have formed up a really good partnership in pre-season. So looking forward to seeing how that develops. So there's a few exciting elements to, to Portsmouth this season. But uh, I still think they'll be after a few more signings, especially uh, in midfield. Yeah, like most teams, I believe, as well. There's still plenty mm. of time in the window for people to get more through the door. But yeah, solid start for the Cowleys. And like I say, probably weren't at their best um, and still trying to learn their best 11 and uh, and still managed to pick up three points and a clean sheet. Uh, it's you again, Gabe. Sorry, it's your game to feature. Now, me and Graham will just sit back and enjoy this for the next few minutes. Uh, Atkinson Stanley went to Wickham and lost 2-1. And in fairness, I think it was a lot more comfortable for Wickham than the scoreline suggests. They scored twice very early on. We're up, tuning up inside 15 minutes, I believe. Two very good uh, Gareth McCleary goals, I think. And uh, mm. a late one from Accrington sort of made it look like Not a more even you. game. But you watched it in detail. So I'll, we'll let you take to the floor and uh, give your in-depth analysis on the Chairboys' win over Accrington Stanley. Yeah, Matt, I was really impressed with the, the Chairboys today. I think their front three this season 
on the, I mean, I don't want to draw conclusions based on one game. I always say comments, not conclusions. That's my opening day motto. But if Daryl Horgan, Sam Vokes and Gareth McCleary keep up that level of performance, I think we could potentially be looking at one of the best attacking players in the division just because they, uh, they complement each other so well because you've got the aerial prowess of Sam Vokes, who's so useful for Wickham from goal hits. Um, you've got the movement and the intelligence of Gareth McLeary, who I think um, has lots of quality on the ball, as you'd expect from someone that's played regular championship level before uh, with Reading. But also you've got the... Uh, he's brilliant off the ball as well, by the way. But also you've got the running in behind the energy of Daryl Horgan. And I think they complement each other so well. And, um, and and that aspect of their game really impresses me. And um, Anthony Stewart as well, such a good, a good centre-back. Um, and he kind of allows Jack Brimmer and Joe Jacobson to kind of operate really well as wide full centre-backs as well, because you've got Jack Brimmer with his athleticism covering that channel, and then Joe Jacobson with his obvious technical uh, ability. So many good things. Um, Ollie Pendlebury as well, another former Reading player, looked really good on his debut in, in the field, promoted from the development squad. Um, I think with Accrington Stanley, though, and, and Ian said uh, that Brokes could be a massive success at Adam Park, um, I think Accrington Stanley, they... Um, they tried to play out from the back, but I'm not sure they've got defenders that are going to be good for that because they've got Ross Sykes, who's uh, got lots of qualities, as I mentioned in my post-match video, but he's a very athletic player, very good in the air. And I think what you want him to be doing is playing it into the midfield and dropping deep and then absolutely charging forward. But Stanley were without Seamus Keneally and... I think we've had that player that can collect the ball off the defence naturally and then give it to someone else. Um, Harry Pell tried to do that not particularly well. I'm not sure um, Sean McConville do really do that role. Um, um, Keneally's going to be back in a couple of weeks, which I think is going to be huge for Akin especially in terms of, of the way they play. That's it. It's early doors again, isn't it? And mm. It doesn't mean if you lose the game that you're going to struggle all season. And certainly if you win a game, it doesn't mean that you're automatically going to be in the top six. But yeah, certainly <laughs> a very encouraging start from Gareth Ainsworth's men. And, and we know he knows how to get out of this division. He's very good at this level. He has been for a number of years. Longest serving manager, I think, or one of, I think, in um, in this division now, along with John Coleman, who he beat. So uh, simply Wickham's just commented and said, result doesn't do the Wickham performance justice on another day. Could have been four or five. Yeah, I think it's just emphasising what you said, Gabe, that the Wickham were very, very impressive for long periods. And yeah, I think it, it probably flattered Accrington a little bit, the 2-1 scoreline. But um, long season, as we've already mentioned. And Ian Bradley's commented again, cheers Ian, and says Vokes could be massive, um, a massive success at Adams Park. I think, yeah, in terms of pedigree, certainly a few years ago, it's a very good signing. And uh, if he can get his, his shooting boots back on, so to speak, then I, I think he'll he'll flourish at this level and it could prove to be one of the signings of the season if he does hit the ground running. Graham, going to come to you now, your game. Sunderland 2, Wigan 1. I know we touched on it briefly at the top of the show, but I wanted to just get some more in-depth analysis from you. Seems there were some good performances from the likes of Elliot Embleton and Ross Stewart. Um, but yeah, um, let us know what your thoughts were, mate, on the 2-1 uh, the victory at the Stadium of Light. I mean, Ross Stewart was absolutely outstanding. Um I think a lot of people have seen Sunderland fans talk about how Charlie White wasn't much of a loss and for some reason people have taken that as if we've chucked our toys out of our pram. But we watched Charlie White for three seasons and I think 
There's a few Wigan fans. Don't judge any player too early. Don't get me wrong. And it's one game and a few preseason games. But some Wigan fans are already having the frustration that we had with Charlie White for a long time. He's a bit of a start year sometimes. Feed him. That's no problem. But you need Nadine McGeady. And there's not many of them in this division um, to feed him. Ross Stewart's a little bit of a different beast. Don't think he'll score 30 goals. Um, I think he's a different kind of player like that in the sense that he might we might get more goals over the season. You'll likely get more assists. Charlie White didn't get that many assists. He wasn't that great for flick-ons and stuff like that, as big as he was. Um, Ross Stewart just ran the channel so well. He was just so big. He's about 6'5", but he's actually really good with his feet. He won the penalty, um, which was one with a little bit of trickery with his feet getting into the box. A bit rash from the Wigan defender, but I suppose... When you've got a big lad that size running at you, you've got to stop him somehow. And he chose just the wrong option, basically. He actually rose above Charlie White for the winner, um, which, of course, would give us a lot of joy because that was quite funny. Um, but Ross Stewart was outstanding the entire game. He was just so, so good. Um, McGeady probably underrated in his performance because we're just so used to it. We're so used to McGeady just being that man that can just torture defences. He does that. He scored his penalty. Um You've seen every time he got the ball, the, the Wigan right back was nervous. And, and I don't think he's uh, the Loch Ness Drogba, as he is known. He's actually from Irvine, uh, which is quite far away from, from Loch Ness. And whilst I'm on the subject of this, do not go into uh, Google Maps and type in Loch Ness because you'll get a surprise. I don't know if anyone's seen that on Google today, but if you do, don't do it. Um, but yeah, Loch Ness Drogba is what he was called. And he's very much like a, a League One level with his performance on, um, on Saturday. Obviously, vastly not as good, but... Ross Stewart, I, I can't talk more highly enough. He was just so, so good. Um, and we've seen it in, in flurries last season, particularly in the, the second leg of the uh, the playoffs against Lincoln. He was, he was brilliant that day. And Embleton made, although he wasn't a super standout, he just carried the ball. And we haven't really had someone that can try and break the lines too much in the sort of 10 role. Obviously, he's wearing number eight, but in that sort of 10 role that he plays, Ross Stewart works well with him based on that one game. Uh, Lyndon Gooch, I think, actually got man of the match. Ross Stewart would have been mine. You can probably tell I'm, I'm waxing lyrical about him. But I, w- I was really unimpressed with Wigan. They were very good in the first 15 minutes. Um, I expected a lot more, but I, I think I said in the the preview, I want a 24 mat. We spoke about Wigan, and it probably sounded a bit condescending in ways because um, I probably have a knack of doing that, unfortunately. But I said Wigan have signed Max Power, Jordan Jones, and, and Charlie White, who often were derived played for something. Why is it since they've gone to Wigan, all of a sudden Wigan become promotion hopefuls and they've signed a couple of other players like Tom Naylor that have also failed? I think successful Wigan, I was speaking to a Wigan fan on Saturday, successful Wigan would be not being relegation candidates, having a football club and seeing a bright success and finishing ninth or 10th. And I think that's what they looked like. Um, I think the hype around them, I probably expected more, but they looked like a side that will be all right this season. Um Considering we had no fullbacks, which I've touched on, it was a really, really good performance. Um, we just look a little bit more together up front. That that midfield and that forward line look a little bit more cohesive. The right-backs and the left-backs are a worry. Wigan got round the back of Daniel a few times. He's a central midfielder. He's a number 10, in my opinion, or at least a number 8. And he's playing at left-back and he's right-footed. So it's not unexpected. But if the boy from Tottenham comes in and if, if he's the... Um, the Roberto Carlos that Tottenham fans seem to think he is, uh, we might be all right in that position and allow 
Daniel to sort of add to that midfield alongside Elliot Embleton. So really positive, but but Sunderland's got to be about consistency this season. Um, I've seen Sunderland put in performances as good as that throughout the however many years we've been here too long for my liking. I think if we go to MK Dons next week, put a similar level of performance in, win that game. Then we come up to our next home game, AFC Wimbledon, beat AFC Wimbledon. If we're sitting here on nine points and we've had three successful um, wins and we're sitting top of the league, then I might start getting really excited that this might be the season. Yeah, of course. Like we've all said, it's, it's one game, isn't it? It's, it's not going to define your season, the result in the opening day, but promising signs, I suppose. And certainly from, from Stuart's performance means that you, you might not miss Charlie White's goals as much as, as people envisage. And I suppose, Gabe, quickly before we move on to the next game, because we are starting to run out of time, was um, Wigan might take a little bit of time to gel. Martin, though, it's a lot of players. It's a big overhaul. And, and they've bought a lot of good players that have, have been competitive. It's certainly in the top half of the division, but it might take a few weeks for them to to really hit their straps and, and become a cohesive unit. Yeah, absolutely. I think, as I mean, listen, Liam Richardson worked miracles last season to, uh, to keep Wigan uh, afloat and on with a skeleton staff and pretty much everything going against him. But um, I think it's almost a slightly different job this year and I think it'll, it'll bring with it its own challenges because there is that extra expectation and a lot of new players coming together. In terms of picking teams to do well, I like to go with teams that have already established a base and foundations from the previous campaign and I don't think we can have that. So I would very much agree with Graham that I think if we can finish in the top 10 and are within, uh, are within sight of the playoffs this season, I think that'd be a really progressive season for them and I think patience is required. Yeah, and I think they'll get that. I think Richardson will get that. I said in my season preview on my own channel that I think they've got the players to get in the playoffs, but the one thing that, that could be interesting is how Liam Richardson reacts to a different type of pressure. It's not a pressure mm. now that's you know trying to stay above a line. It's a, it's a pressure of trying to get in over that line and into that top six, that top two or whatever. And it'd be certainly a good watch to see how he does deal with that. I, I, I don't see anything to suggest that he won't. Um, maybe it could just come down to, to what we've said and that's how long it takes to, for them to gel as a, as a unit. So, Away Days Beer Company have just commented on and said Loch Ness Drug Beer is going to be the new one released. So, if you've not checked out Away Days Beer Company, I will plug them. Um, they've sent me a few bottles over recent weeks and they're very good quality. Decent stuff, really good tasting uh, mixture of ales and Yes, I'm happy to. Good. I'm happy to try that one. I'm happy to try the Loch Ness Drug Beer. No problem at all. Yeah. Don't want to send me a crate of fifty. That's no problem. A crate of fifty. <laughs> right, my team's game was Gillingham versus Lincoln City. I'm not going to talk about the incident that happened after the first game. We shall leave that to the authorities. Um, but it was a decent game. It was a decent one-all draw between two sides that that had a go, that wanted to win the game. Um, and I think the one-all draw was probably the fairest result. Um, we started well first five minutes and then got caught by a sucker punch. Um, Reese Bennett, who's not a right back, unfortunately, got caught out ball watching a little bit. There was plenty of space down the left-hand side. And Connor Bramall, who was very good in tandem with uh, Ty Wedden, especially in the first 25 minutes, um, putting a dangerous ball across the box. Jamie Cubby made a brilliant save. And then, unfortunately, there was a bit of pinball and, and Ty Wedden was on hand to slap it into the roof of the net. And, and for 20 minutes, half hour, Jules was struggling. Didn't really get to grips with the system and how, um, and how Lincoln were playing. Didn't get close enough to Liam Bridcut, but but credit the boys, they they stuck at it. Um, they believed in themselves and trusted each other. And probably from 25, 30 minutes on, we were the better team up until half time. Certainly deserved their equaliser from our point of view. Um, I know Jules have tweeted today 
um, the goal reaction video, which has taken absolute pelters from pretty much every account <laughs> on social media. Um, I tried to give it some context and a few other fans have as well. Um, it was the fact that we just didn't know what was going on. Generally didn't know what had happened. There was, there was talk of a, a penalty for Jules. It looked like the keeper, Josh Griffiths, had bought um, for Dane Oliver down. Then there was talk of he'd fallen into someone and it was going to be a Lincoln free kick. And then all of a sudden the, the linesman was flagging and, and it was one each and, and Danny Lloyd, we think, has got the goal. We're still not sure 100% um, from all of about six inches. Um, but goal's a goal. Second half was was quite open. Both teams had half chances. We had the big opening. That was for Dane Oliver when he was put through one-on-one. But I think he got caught in two minds and, and didn't really do anything with it. Um, but yeah, again, like we've said, for plenty of teams that have drawn, it's a solid point for both sides. Lincoln are behind in terms of, of pre-season because they, they were in the playoffs. Jill's are behind in terms of pre-season because we lost two and a half weeks to COVID. Um, so, yeah, I don't think either team were too disappointed. And again, it's a starting block and something to work with approaching the second game next weekend. Um, right, next game, we're down to the final three. And then for the final 10 minutes, we'll have a look at next Saturday's fixtures. So, Gabe, I'm going to come to you quickly. Um, that was Doncaster Rovers 1, AFC Wimbledon 2. Looks like a very different approach from Wimbledon this season without Joe Piggott. And it, it bore um, immediate fruit at the weekend. Yeah, I think a lot of people this season are maybe not quite sure about uh, Wimbledon this year, and I think it's quite uh, it's quite an easy thing to do, I suppose, to look at the fact that they've lost Joe Piggott and the goals that he provides, and assume that there's going to be a drop off. But I think that for me, I'm I'm trading that loss against the fact that they're going to have Mark Robinson in charge for the full season. Um, Mark Robinson is someone I rate very highly as a coach. I think he's very composed, very calm, very methodical. And I expect Wimbledon to employ a different style of play to what we've seen usually there. Now, that's not to say that they're going to in any way compromise the non-negotiables, which is lots of passion, lots of hard work. But I do see them keeping it up the ball on the deck a little bit more. And I think that's kind of um, epitomised by some of the goals, a couple of the goals they've scored. And Ayuba Sal, of course, looks uh, looks like a real player. He's got among the goals again. He had a brilliant season last year. And I think getting him tied down to a long-term contract was a sign, really, of the faith that there is in Mark Robinson and the work that he's doing. So, that for Wimbledon. Not going to get too carried away about them. Obviously, it's just one game. Comments, not conclusions. But a very good start and uh, a nice early step towards the point, Mark. Exactly that, indeed. Yeah, very positive start for the men from Plough Lane. And looking forward to visiting next Tuesday as a Jules fan. It's obviously a new one to tick off, and uh, it's great to see them back at their spiritual home. Uh, Gray, I'm going to come to you for the penultimate fixture. That was Shrewsbury nil, Burton Albion one. For me, two seems that'll be very similar this season. They both look like defensively they'd be okay. They both look like they're missing a bit of cutting edge, and they both look like they'd be absolutely fine without doing causing too much trouble to, to each end of the table. But what's your thoughts on um, Burton's opening day win and clean sheet? Yeah, I've tipped Burton to to do really well. Um, not getting to playoffs or anything like that. I, if I'm honest with you, I don't think they have the strength and depth or the, the strongest start in 11. But I think I said in the, the 1 to 24 pod that we did, they've got a manager that just marries well with the club. They're going to be on the quest of a wave because they were dead and buried. Um, if we're completely honest, like last season, they looked like absolutely plummeting out the league. They looked like they were dead and gone. And then Hasselbank comes in and, and things change and look like one of the better sides in the league. I think barely lost the game towards the end of the season. 
So I think they'll continue that trajectory um, and finish, I think I said about 12 or something like that. So it didn't surprise me that they beat Shrewsbury. Um, Shrewsbury are a funny team for me. Um, I feel like they should be better than they are. I think um, Pierre's a really good player from when I've seen him. Morosi was a really good signing. Um, the Banks Landell's been consistent for quite a while. Uh, Josh Vale has been there for a while. Luke uh, Lehigh is obviously a good player. He got relegated last season, but he's got a decent left foot on him. Uh, Pennington's came from Everton's Youth Academy. Um, Ryan Bowman's came in, who obviously was at Motherwell previously. So I've seen quite a bit of Ryan Bowman. He's, he's strong, he's aggressive, um, almost too aggressive at points, but kind of what you want at this level. Um, but then I'm not surprised sure if we got beat. There's just something that's not quite right with them at the moment over the past couple of seasons. And I just think that Sam Ricketts' appointments just knocked them back so much. Um, but again, I don't think they're going to be anywhere near relegation problems. I think it's going to be there or thereabouts. It's probably an expected result, a 1-0. I think I watched um, a fair amount of their highlights, actually. I don't know why. Don't get me wrong. I didn't plan on doing that. I just watched a lot of their highlights for some reason. And um, I think Burton probably can feel a little bit hard done by that. They didn't score a few more. Um Obviously, I think there was just one shot on target from Shrewsbury from a possible, I think they had like 11 or 12 or something like that. Whereas Burton had about five shots on target, if I remember right. I think it was a bank, uh, Landell, like stopped like what was a goal-bound shot going in after they scored the first. Um, but I think Burton will be fine. I, I quite like Burton. I think they're a nice club, um, really nice away day. They've had that tag of like the little team when they were in the championship and they kind of dug up some trees and got some decent results. Obviously, they've had a tough couple of years but they've always had decent players like Liam Boyce was there he went on to do well and doing well for Hearts and the, the S, uh, Scottish Premiership sorry at the moment I think Burnt will be fine I think they're a team to watch I wouldn't be surprised if they sneaked in and around maybe where Gillingham were last year where you can start thinking can they get into the playoffs um, Shrewsbury on the other hand I think are probably going to be the opposite end where you might you might worry that they might drop into the relegation places but I've got no rhyme no reason for that because Shrewsbury on paper are a decent team they're just I think they're just suffering from this Sam Ricketts-ism that they had, although they've got a great manager at the minute and they came back, did really well last season. I think the probably would have wanted to start this season with a win and try and pick up some of that good form from last season rather than the bad form that they had under Sam Ricketts. I think an opening day defeat at home could end up being on a bit of a downward trajectory and they might struggle at the start and then come back and finish mid-table, lower mid-table. Yeah, I think they'll be fine in terms of relegation. Steve Cotterall's too good a manager to have him anywhere near the bottom four. But yeah, I just think they're, they're probably a little bit short in terms of really pushing into the top ten and any higher. Uh, final game of the weekend, though, was, unfortunately, I sound a bit like match of the day here. Nil-nil between Charlton and Sheffield Wednesday. Probably, if you had to pick a game that you didn't think would be nil-nil, it would probably been that one. Um, solid point for both sides. Clean sheets to open up. Barry Bannon nearly did Barry Bannon things, skipped through half of the Charlton defence at one point and then slid his shot just wide, much to the uh, despair of Darren Moore on the touchline. I think that would have probably been a goal of the weekend if he'd um, managed to slot that in the bottom corner. But a solid start for both teams, for Nigel Atkins and for Darren Moore. Um, but we're going to move on quickly now. We have eight minutes left. Uh, Graham, I'm going to come to you quickly. I want you one pick for game of the weekend and one pick for performance of the weekend from a team. Go. Without being biased. If you want. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, if we're going... Right, I'll try not be biased because I, I love Sunderland. You can, I say Sunderland if you, want. you can say Sunderland twice. We don't mind. It's fine. No, I'll go, I'll go Morecambe because I said 24th and I went and pulled out a result against the probably the favourite. So it's, it's got to be Morecambe, really. Um well done to them getting a the draw. Probably probably should have won. We're talking about them getting a the draw. They should have won. 
Um, what was the other question, Matt? Uh, game of the weekend, I think it's probably, for me, it would have been either that one or well, probably the Bolton Wanderers MK Dons mm. for me, three all. For a neutral, I think you've got to look at the three all and say, yeah, it wasn't Charlton Chef Wed and all that. Definitely it wasn't it didn't look a bad game from the highlights. It didn't look the worst, Neil, Neil. I mean, I've seen plenty of worse goalie straws in my time watching the duels, definitely. But yeah, it's yeah. not going to be that one. Gabe, for you, same question. Uh, I, I would have to be slightly boring and go along with the um, the 3-3, three, three, although I did love watching the, the weekend game. But I think that's partly just because it's so great to be back at grounds with fans again. And uh, I think, you know, there's something to be said for that. I'd, I suppose as an outside contender for the performance, um, Morecambe, I, I wouldn't disagree with at all. But I think Cheltenham, you know, considering that there are a lot of question marks over their squad coming into the day and they're playing away to a side that finished in the top half last season. To get 12 shots, six on target, lots of positivity for their performance. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I'd quite go with them for performance that we end up against someone like a Rotherham, but I'd like to I'd like to mention That's fair enough. Yeah, if we can try and find different ones, I'll do the same as well. Then obviously the standout for game of the weekend is the three each and the two each between Ipswich and Morecambe. But for a slightly mm. different performance at a weekend then I'll go Wimbledon. I think everyone's got them yeah. down as doomed because they've lost Joe Piggott and they've lost twenty-five goals a season, and everyone's worrying where they're going to where they're going to score their goals. They've lost a plenty of experienced players in the summer as well. Luke O'Neill, Callum Riley, that type of player. It looks like Robinson's going to try and change the way they play completely, and, and and fair play to him because that was a very good result against a transitional Doncaster. I'm not going to you know get too carried away. I don't I don't think Doncaster are going to cause the top places any real trouble this season. But yeah, I'm going to go Wimbledon. Uh, right, uh, last five minutes. Let's have a look ahead to next Saturday. Again, apologies, we don't have a graphic this week. Um, I'll run through fixture by fixture and we'll just go around the three of us then and, and a quick home win, draw or away win. So I will start with the first one. Gabe, Wimbledon, Bolton. Wimbledon, Bolton. I'll go with Wimbledon, actually, for that one. Graham? Wimbledon. I've gone draw. Accrington against Cambridge, Gabe. Ooh, um, I'll go with uh, Accrington. Graham. Accrington. Me, Accrington, just full house. Burton, Ipswich, Gabe. Ooh, um, I'm going to go with a draw for that one, actually. Graham. Burton. I've Ooh. got a draw. One all I've put down. Cheltenham, Wickham. Uh, Wickham for me. Cheltenham. Ooh. I've got to go Wickham based on what I saw at the weekend. Uh, Lincoln Fleetwood go. Lincoln for me. Lincoln um, with ease. Lincoln with full ease. House, full house for Lincoln. MK Dons Sunderland go. We'll come to you first. Will. Hey, MK might have a manager in by that point. I'll, I'll go the draw. Don't go oh, against your own team, Sunderland. I've said draw. I've gone one all. Uh, Morecambe, Shrewsbury. Um, I'm going to give Morecambe for that one. Morecambe. Full house. I've gone Morecambe as well. Ooh. Oxford, Charlton. Oxford, Charlton. The Carl Robinson derby. Um, <laughs> I'll go... Um, let me think. Um, sure, sure. I'm gonna go with Oxford United. Graham. Charlton, but there'll be a fight in the tunnel at half time and Carl Robinson will get headbutted again and complain about it for six weeks. 
<laughs> and you can't go a podcast without mentioning I'm going to go one all. <laughs> uh, right, Plymouth Gillingham game. Plymouth Gillingham. Uh, I'll I'll say. Um, oh, how they go? I'll go Plymouth Argyle. Kills. I've gone Jules. Two one Jules. I think from what I've seen from their game and our game, I think we've just got enough. Uh, Portsmouth Crew and Gabe's never Portsmouth. coming on again. Draw. Portsmouth for me. I don't think Portsmouth will be pretty in the first few weeks of the season, but I think they'll they'll, they'll just grind out a few results. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday, Doncaster, the Darren Moore derby. Darren Moore derby. I'll go with uh, Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield. Full house and final game, uh, Wigan versus Rotherham. Rotherham for me. Draw. I've gone draw, one all. And uh, what has Ian Bradley said to end the show? He has said, a very tough game at Wigan for the Millers next Saturday, but confident of at least a point. And Les, uh, the Gillingham fan up north, has said, thank you again, lads. Another very enjoyable evening up the Jules. I will echo them sentiments entirely. Up the Jules. Guy, um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on once again. You only need one more, and then we might have to send you a pint glass because that'll be three. Um, so you get the match ball or something close. Uh, Graham, really good to talk to you again, mate. Uh, Please keep checking out Gabe on Twitter and follow him. He knows everything about League One. He even knew that Morecambe would get a draw at the weekend. The only other people who predicted that were the Morecambe directors that were on a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) Go and check out Graham's podcast. There's some really good guests on there. Uh, Really good listen all the time. And he's an all right bloke as well. Um, I was going to say, listen, listen to my podcast because I know nothing about League One. (laughs) It's like the opposite (laughs) of But obviously, the biggest thank you goes to everyone who has tuned in this evening. We will get the audio pod and the link to the YouTube channel out in due course. Uh, Like I say, Tom is in charge of that and he's away. So it's uh, Wi-Fi dependent because he's in Scotland. And I'm not even sure they've got electricity in certain parts of where he is. But thanks to everyone who's tuned in. It's been a real pleasure. It's great to have football back. It's great to be able to go into stadiums and and, and watch football live and, and see familiar faces and smell familiar smells. I'm not saying they're good smells or bad smells. That's for you Mm. to decide, depending on what ground you're visiting at the weekend. Um, But we'll be back next Monday, looking back at the weekend that was, and we shall see you in a week. Cheers.